Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. My name is Oliver Hartwich and I'm joined today by our senior research fellow, Michael Johnston. Hi, Michael. Hi there. We want to talk about your new report. Yes, sir, we do. The report is called No Evidence, No Evaluation, No Exit, Lessons from the Modern Learning Environments Experiment. Yeah. Perhaps we start by just defining what is a modern learning environment? Well, modern learning environments or innovative learning environments, as the ministry started calling them, are large open plan classrooms. They have perhaps 60 to up to 150 students in one big room and multiple teachers as well. And there tends to be different things happening at different parts of the classroom. So some of the children might be reading some books, others might be doing some art or playing with other things around the, the classroom. So there isn't one thing happening for all of the children in the classroom at the same time. So 150 students in one room, that sounds more like a school hall. I imagine yes. <laughs> modern learning environments could be quite noisy. I would imagine they, they could. Un unfortunately, I didn't get to observe any in preparation for my report. I, I sent out messages to various schools. They didn't seem to want me to come and see them. Oh, and the ministry? Oh, the ministry didn't want to talk to me about them either. Okay, well then let's talk about these modern learning environments, how they came to be. So when did this policy actually start in New Zealand? So this, the strategy was put in place in 2011 to rejuvenate the country's classrooms. So under the key government? Under the key government. Interestingly, the initial strategy didn't mention large open plan classrooms. What it did mention was making uh, our classrooms fit for modern learning, which, by or, which, or probably just fit because they were probably not in the best state. Oh, well, certainly that needed to happen. So the, yeah. the, the classroom stock was ancient at the time, and a lot of it probably still hasn't been fixed up, but a lot of it dated from the 1950s and was kind of cold and drafty and hard to heat and poor lighting and all of that. So no one was arguing that it didn't need some attention and quite a lot of money spent on it. But what never became clear is why they decided that we needed to have these large spaces. So how did that actually happen in 2011? Was there a big debate about it, or is that something that just came straight out of the ministry? As far as I can tell, it just came straight out of the ministry. I mean, I'm sure there must have been some conversations with Anne Tolley, who was the Minister of Education at the time. She was the first minister under the key government. But there was no documentation of really how the open learning environment thing got started. And how did the ministry then want to promote these modern learning environments? Well, they promote them as being suitable places for student-directed learning, which means that students, rather than teachers, lead what happens in the classroom and are supposed to construct their own learning and identify their own learning goals and monitor their own performance and, and so on. And how did the ministry want to make it all happen? The ministry instructs the schools and the school boards, if you want to get any funding from us for your property, you have to do with that. That That's was a right. condition. That's right. So in the 2011 strategy, it, it slightly changed the relationship between the ministry's property division and school boards. So previously, under tomorrow's schools, the ministry was responsible for school property, but boards were given the right to sign off. In other words, they didn't have to accept a particular design that they weren't happy with. And that changed in 2011? That changed under the strategy. The strategy explicitly said that schools would have to make it a financial priority 
to convert their classrooms into uh, environments that were suitable for modern learning. It didn't say into large open plan classrooms, but that was the way it played out. So if you were on a school board in 2011 and you realized that your school needed an upgrade because the classrooms were no longer modern, no longer fit for purpose, maybe leaky, mm-hmm. and you wanted to get some funding for that, you had to sign a contract probably with the ministry under which you agreed to build these mega classrooms. That's the way it played out. That's right. So school boards were essentially presented with fait accompli. If they wanted new classrooms, they were to be like this. So that was quite a change to the previous Tomorrow Schools model. It was it was something of a change, yes. It, it, it effectively removed the right of sign-off from boards. And, and do you know whether school boards were happy with that? Well, I know some certainly were not. Some may have been. It's hard to say. One of the problems here is that there's almost nothing documented. It's it's very hard to get a handle on any kind of evidence. So hence the title of the report, no evidence means that the ministry had no basis for its decisions to initiate this strategy in the first place. When I asked them for that evidence, they sent me a couple of web links. One of them was to a TED talk. A TED talk. By an architect. And the other was to an infographic also by an architect. Sure. <laughs> And we might ask who did well out of this strategy. Uh, probably an architect. Somewhere. Possibly architects did quite well out of this strategy. Interestingly, they didn't consult any educational literature, or at least they didn't inform me of any research that they'd looked into to show how these environments worked or whether they were effective. Okay. That was 2011. So yep. the ministry, as you have now found out, introduces a new building strategy on architectural advice. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any evidence that these new learning environments actually work. No. Okay, fast forward 10 years. By now, we would have seen quite a few of these modern learning environments. We would have had some experience dealing with them. You would expect the ministry now to know how much they spent, how many of these environments they actually financed, and how they work. You asked the ministry about that. What did you get back? It's one of the most jaw-dropping things, actually, about the whole project (laughs) is that they don't know how much they spend. They don't know how many of these learning environments have been built or where they are. They can't tell me how many students are learning in them. And so, hence, we come to the second part of the title of the report, No Evaluation. So they haven't monitored how these things have been going. So they started with no evidence and have proceeded with no evaluation. Well, perhaps the ministry doesn't have enough resource to do that because they are only employing about 4,200 people these days. What's that? They, they've grown by only 40% in the last five years or something like that. So there wasn't enough capacity to do that kind of evaluation. Obviously, the 40% extra employees that the ministry have acquired are not evaluators, it would seem. It is kind of strange if you think about it. I mean, you are the ministry pushing this. You have been obviously very keen on this policy. Wouldn't you then want to see how it works and whether it works? One would might expect that. <laughs> That's quite In fact, I, I think New Zealanders might expect that of their Ministry for Education. Parents might expect that of the Ministry for Education, that they would actually monitor, especially projects that cost, well, the order of billions. It's hard to say exactly how, how, how many billions, because they can't tell me. But when you think about a massive rejuvenation of housing stock, it's... It's beyond the hundreds of millions, I would say. And, and, and so one would expect, taxpayers would expect, parents would expect some kind of evaluation of that spend. And especially because there were grumblings over the past decade. Um, I remember hearing 
every now and then some grumblings about, oh, we've got these modern learning environments, but actually they don't quite work. We don't really want them. We would like to have the traditional classroom back. Were there any debates in the last 10 years that you could find maybe in Parliament or in the oh, media? Yes. yes, yes. So I did have a good look through Hansard. Now, the key government, key government ministers, Tolly, Parata and Kay, were all very keen on these these environments and, and said so in the House multiple times. And were very, it, it was very, a bit of a flagship policy, wasn't it? Oh, yes, they were very proud of, uh, of establishing them. Meanwhile, there were select committee submissions from agencies looking after children and young people with, with various kind of learning disabilities, extremely concerned about, about people being put in these environments. Actually, I heard this morning from a woman who's done her master's research on learning environments, and, and I, I'm looking forward to, to reading that. And, and she's uh, saying that these are terrible environments for at least 30% of young people who have uh, various sensory sensitivities. So clearly the noise and size of the environments is, is quite uh, deleterious for at least some of our young people's learning. But again, the hard evidence is very hard to find. So we have this policy which originated in the key government years. We've got a change of government in 2017. Chris Hipkins becomes the new education minister. Does anything change then? Well, the rhetoric at least changed. So at some point they stopped the ministry and the minister stopped referring to modern learning environments or innovative learning environments and started to refer instead to quality learning environments, all this terminology. But if you look on the Ministry of Education website, we do find that quality learning environment means something a bit different. They've kind of walked back from the, the idea that this, these environments are supposed to be places that accommodate radical new styles of teaching and learning to a more pragmatic concern with their physical properties like heating, lighting and acoustics, which seems entirely appropriate. So it's a little bit hard to say what led to that. It may have been dissatisfaction with the, the whole project, but it seems as if, and again, it's hard to get the final word on this because the Ministry don't want to talk about it, but it seems as if they have perhaps now allowed schools to have modern classrooms in, in the sense that they're nice new buildings, but maybe not these enormous environments. So you read it that they quietly dropped the policy? I think so, yeah. And talking about a year, a ten, a 10 years to get to that point. Well, well it was a 10-year strategy. Yes, yes. Yeah. So now the ministry would probably just move on, but these classrooms are there, and they probably will be there for decades to come. So that brings us to the, the final part of the, uh, the title of the report, No Exit. There's, mm -hmm. a, there's no real way back once you've spent billions of dollars on these classrooms. Well, I guess you can build walls. Well, they could build some walls, but they're not really designed to be like that. They're enormous environments with, with different parts to them, and, and I don't think you could straightforwardly turn most of them back into traditional classrooms, although some of the research that has been done on what they're like makes it clear that there are myriad designs, so there are lots of different kinds of these places, and perhaps some of them could be renovated to be more like traditional classrooms but basically we ha probably have to learn how to use them as best we can so one of the recommendations in the report is that the ministry now urgently conducts a research project to first of all see what the effect of learning in these environments is is and that could be done 
by comparing them with learning in traditional classrooms, there's still enough of those left for us to do that comparison, appropriately matching the characteristics of, of students involved for age and perhaps socioeconomic level and so on. And then we could see over a year how much progress children make in each of the traditional and modern environments and things like reading, writing, numeracy, science, etc. And that would give us at least some evidence about how they're operating. And then I think if we find that there is a problem in the, in the large environments, that we need to then do extra research, more research on how to use them as best we can. And, you know, to be fair, it may well be that there are good ways to use these environments. And it may be as well that some schools are now using them very well. Again, no evidence. So it would be good to know. But Mm. if the ministry don't do an evaluation, then we don't know. It is a bit of an unusual report for us because usually our reports are on existing policies and make Mm. recommendations on how to change, modify them. In, In this case, the policy is basically done. The ministry has moved on. So what are the lessons actually we should learn from this modern learnings? Well, can we call it a debacle? Well, it's hard to know. It's, it seems like it might be a debacle, but again, without hard evidence, we can't say for sure. And, and I do want to be careful about the claims that we make. So is this more a case study in how not to do policy? I, I think that's right. I think really, you know, if, if people read the recommendations, you'll see that what I recommend is that in future, the ministry does do some research or at least does a research review about what the effects of a policy is likely to be and goes into the implementation of a policy with a sound evaluation plan that gets carried out and then obviously an evaluation should inform the implementation as it runs. That would be a normal way of implementing But all of that is very basic policy making. That that it is. Basically every government, whether it was the key government or the current Adern government, would say that they are at least trying to do evidence-based policy making. In in this case, we have no evidence at any stage of the process over a decade. And that that really is the take-home message from this report, that the Ministry for Education has gone into this blind and has more or less come out of it blind because they still don't even know how many of these things there are, let alone how they're operating. How would you explain that? How would you explain the ministry's attitude? I mean, you were on Radio New Zealand this morning, interviewed on mm. 9 to noon, and the ministry was asked to comment. They didn't even respond to Radio New Zealand's request. They didn't respond to RNZ. They didn't respond to me when I sent them a message early on in my work for this report uh, with a request for a conversation with someone who knew about this stuff. As to why that is, I can only speculate, but it seems to me that the policy was ideologically driven. The ministry seems to be a complete black box, really. It's become more and more like that. I mean, that's part of a broader issue about responsiveness of, of government departments and, and ministries to the public and, and to people like us who are trying to work on behalf of the public to bring to light what's going on. And really, it's it's the opposite of transparent. I, I, I seem to recall Jacinda Ardern promising to run the most transparent government in history. Her agencies are not responding very transparently. So it, it would seem to me that we need some reform in that regard. It needs to become easier to find out what's going on. The Official Information Act is there to help, but if the agency is not collecting the information, which they claim they're not in this case, then it doesn't help much. If something like this happened in a private company, 
say, a private company doing a project over 10 years without any planning, without any evaluation, not knowing how much they spend, not knowing anything about the results they had. After 10 years, you would probably expect the board to fire the chief executive. Do you think that it would be appropriate to have some consequences at the ministry level? I would have thought it would be a lot less than 10 years that would make a board pretty itchy in, the, in it those should. situations. <laughs> but but uh, there, there should be consequences. But, you know, it's, it's it's hard to know who to hold to account because the, the chief executive has changed in that time of the ministry, the, the secretary for education, that is, and probably most of the senior managers have turned over. And where the accountability lies is a very good question. So... I think really the lesson to be learned is that in future they do need to have the the evidence and the evaluation planned and that that is pretty much legislated for, that there is some kind of framework in law that says that this is how government agencies have to operate. And, you know, we do have an education organisation in this country, the New Zealand Council for Education Research, that has a legislated role in, in evaluating educational initiatives I think they need to be better resourced to do that at the moment they're not really set up to do that kind of large-scale quantitative research that would be required but I think that they would be the obvious agency to resource to do that work so that if the ministry wants to implement a new policy they go to the NZCER and say here's what we're planning and the NZCER designs a study perhaps a a literature review at least but perhaps an actual full-blown controlled study where we try something out and see if it works and if there's good evidence that it does then go ahead and then evaluate it and if it doesn't then do something else. So in summary no evidence, no evaluation, no exit, we could add no accountability either. Yeah, that, that seems to be where we're at. Well that's a depressing case study in policy making or in how not to make policy but I think it is really important that you documented what's happened in modern learning environments over a decade and I look forward to having a discussion with the ministry in the future if they are able to have one. That would be great, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. If we we could talk to our agencies, that would be good. Well, on that um, optimistic note, (laughs) let's leave it here. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Oliver. Thanks. Thanks.